If you would please uh, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We're in a sermon series working our way uh, through Paul's letter to the church in Rome that we call the the book of Romans. And so we're in Romans 5 verses 6 through 11. If you need a copy of God's Word, we encourage you to take the Bible from the chairs, the pews there in front of you, and we're on page 942. Page 942 will get you to Romans chapter 5. I think it'll be most helpful for you to see uh, God's Word in front of you as we work our way through this passage. Last week, we studied Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And the thing that I wanted us to see and to focus on from this passage is these uh, amazing blessings, these amazing promises, these amazing benefits that are ours in Christ. And we we looked at four of them, and you could see them if you glance back there in Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. The first is we we have peace with God, shalom. Uh, The second was we have the Holy Spirit, God dwells in us by His Spirit, The third is we have the hope of glory. And the fourth is that we have hope in our suffering because of what Christ has done for us. In these things, Paul says we are to rejoice because of the amazing benefits and the promises that are ours because of our standing in Christ. In our passage today, Paul's going to mention a fifth reason that we are to rejoice And he says that we are to rejoice in verse 11 because we have been reconciled to God because of the death of Christ. And so in just a moment when I read this passage, I want you to notice as we we read it, as we study it, how many times Paul is going to make reference to the death of Christ. Notice how the apostle Paul firmly places our salvation in the cross of Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death there for us. So here now the reading of God's word, his holy, inerrant, authoritative word to us this morning. Romans 5, verses 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, more than that, Paul says, we, re- we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let's pray and ask God to bless our study of his word. Pray with me, please. Holy Father, we praise you and thank you for the amazing things that we just read. That while we were weak, ungodly, sinful, Christ died for us. 
We praise you that you have reconciled us to yourself because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ in our place. Father, we pray that Jesus would be more awesome in our eyes and in our minds and in our hearts because of studying your word today. We pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. If, if you were tasked with writing a love story or coming up with a plot for a movie, and in this story or in this movie script, you have to have a, a hero who would come and, and save the day, who would come and, and, and rescue the beauty. How would you begin to write your story or compose your script? Well, you would probably have the hero of your, of your story make this incredible sacrifice to prove his love for his beloved, or he would make some great sacrifice to demonstrate his love. And, and that sacrifice that your hero would make would be the very heart of the plot line because the hero is willing to sacrifice himself for the greater good. Because that's a story that'll sell, right? <laughs> that's a story that has sold millions and millions of movies and, and books and the like. But what if your hero had to make the sacrifice for a bad guy? What if the great hero your sacrifice came to make was so that a bad guy wouldn't have to go to prison or serve time in jail? How many people you think would watch your movie or read your book? Not many, right? That's not a story that sells very much. Paul actually uses a very similar illustration here in verse 7 in our passage today. And what this passage is going to show us is something very unpopular, that we're the bad guys. You and I, we're the bad guys. Uh, I had a, a father come up to me after church. He said, I, I really hope my son, my little son was listening today because he keeps going around the, with, his, with his little three and four-year-old friends saying, we're bad guys. We're going to be the bad guys today. It's not a good thing to be the bad guy. <laughs> you don't want to be the bad guy. <laughs> uh, at the heart of our story, we're going to see that we're the ones not worthy of the hero's rescue. And yet God does it anyway. At the heart of our passage, we're going to see the amazing love of God that's demonstrated for us in Christ Jesus that he was willing to die for us even though we did nothing, absolutely nothing to deserve God's love. And in our passage this morning, I want you to notice how Paul's not going to spend any time telling you how great you are and how wonderful you are and what a great job you're doing. He's not going to do that. But he's going to spend a lot of words and a lot of time telling you and showing you and me how great Christ is. He is the great one. 
And again, I want you to see how this love of God is, is, is demonstrated so clearly because God's love is firmly rooted in the sacrifice of atonement that Jesus made on the cross for us. I want you to see that God has proven his love for you. He has demonstrated how much he loves you by the, the real death, the real sacrifice in real time in history that the Lord Jesus Christ made for his people. And so that's the main point. That's the big idea. If you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down. The, the love of God was supremely manifested for us in the death of Jesus Christ. The love of God was supremely manifested for us in the death of Jesus Christ. And so I want us to look at three ways that we see God's love manifested to us and for us in this passage. The first is, God's love was supremely manifested because Christ died for us even though we were weak. Even though we were weak, Christ died. Look in verses 6 and 7. We see this truth. Paul states that even though we were weak, Christ died for us. Now this weakness that the Apostle Paul is referencing here is not our physical strength. He's not trying to say, look, Jesus is stronger than you. You're weak. No, yes, Jesus probably is stronger. He can probably bench press more than most of us. <laughs> But he's talking about our moral weakness, our moral weakness. And specifically, our moral weakness is, is our inability to choose what is good, what is right, what is beautiful. We lack the power, we lack the strength to choose God. We can't save ourselves from our sin. This is at the heart of the gospel. God sees and knows our weakness. And yet, by His grace and His love for us, He, he goes and He transforms our weakness. He, he, he works faith into our hearts, into our lives. And He gives us the ability to choose Him. So you may be thinking, now, did you just say what I think you just said? That God is the one who works in my heart and my life and changes it? so that I would choose him. Are you talking about predestination and election, Pastor? Are you trying to slip one in on me? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm not slipping it in on you. I'm telling you, yes. This is why we make such a big deal about God's sovereign love because he chooses us. And, and his sovereign love, his love, it's the best love in the world. It's the love you've always wanted because it's the love that will never let you down it's God loves you even though you are weak. Praise God that he does this because we are weak. We would never choose our salvation if it weren't for God working in our hearts and changing us even though we are weak. And our weakness is, is magnified by the fact that he describes us here in verse 6 as ungodly. We were without God. We have rejected God, and yet Christ died for us. 
And so in verse 7, Paul gives this illustration that we've, that we've seen in all kinds of movies. We've read in all kinds of books where you have this hero who comes and who sacrifices himself or who dies to, to rescue the innocent. Maybe as someone who runs into a burning building to rescue children who are going to die and this hero sacrifices himself for those kids. But seriously, you've, you've never read about a hero who would run in and die for his enemies. Again, that's a story that this really doesn't sell. This past weekend at the men's retreat, our men watched a movie where a brave soldier sacrificed himself for his friends, for his fellow soldiers. And of course, we would expect a soldier to do that, right? We're incredibly grateful for those who serve our country and who sacrifice themselves on a daily basis. But we would expect a soldier to be heroic and to make a sacrifice like this. But here we read something incredible. Christ sacrificed himself for those who were weak, those who were ungodly, those who were not his friends, but later we read his enemies. You see, thinking about that and reading about that truth, hopefully that shows all of us here this morning that God's love, it's far better. It's far greater than anything we can imagine, anything we could come up with. Because not only of what Jesus did, but who he died for, us who are weak, ungodly. This message of God's love for us is such good news because we are weak. We are weak in knowledge. We're weak in our feelings. We're weak in our total being. We do not look to ourselves for strength. We look to Christ. For they are weak, but he is strong. That's what the Bible tells us, right? Jesus loves me. He is strong. For the Bible tells us so. The second thing that we read in this passage we learn in this passage that God's love was supremely magnified because Christ died for us even though we were ungodly sinners and enemies of God. Look at these descriptions that we read here in this passage in verses 6 and 8 and through 10. You see, the Bible is not a story where we're the heroes, nor is it a story where we're the innocent ones that need to be rescued by a hero. The Bible tells us that we're the unlovely ones. We're the bad guys. It says that we're ungodly, we're sinful, we're enemies of God. And let's just be honest, this is not something that we want to admit about ourselves. This is not something we want to talk about, right? That's not on your business card, is it? Sinful, ungodly enemy of God. It's, it's not some, don't put it on your social media, right? People go, what's the matter with you? The world tells us that 
We don't need to think this way about ourselves. The world says we simply just need to give in to our identities and, and, or give in to our desires and change our identities because that's where we're going to find happiness and security is in all these things. But the biblical truth that we need to admit here that we need to see very clearly, God's Word tells us that we are sinners without hope. And it's a fundamental problem that all of mankind has that we fail to remember, we fail to see. Our problem is with God. It's not ourselves. It's not the world. Our problem is with God. The wrath and curse of God is a real thing. We read earlier in Romans, we, we learned in chapter 1, that the, we, and we need to remember this, that the wrath of God is being revealed against sin, particularly against sinners. And that's us. That's, that's, that's us. That's, that's we, me and you. But against this grim reality are these words of amazing grace where Paul says that though we were these things, sinners, enemies of God, ungodly, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. All right, you want your next memory verse. Go there to verse 8. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is amazing. That while, even though that we were enemies, even though we were unlovely, we were not worthy to be rescued, Christ rescued us. He reconciled us to God by his death. There is no greater love than that. You will never find another love that awesome. And the Apostle Paul is going to great lengths to show me and you in his letter the loveliness of Christ. It is truth like this, it is promises like this that is our hope that makes God worthy of all of our worship, all of our praise, all of our lives. You will not find another love like this in the whole world. You and I don't possess the capacity to love like this. And so this is why we desperately need to align our hearts, our minds, our, our thinking with this message that though we are unlovely, Christ loved us. In a group this size, I know that there are many of you who showed up today with things heavy on your heart and on your mind, and I don't know what those are. But do you feel weak? Do you feel tired? Do you feel lonely? Do you feel confused? Do you feel unloved? I'm here to tell you that based on what God's Word is telling us, God cares about you. He knows those things that are going on in your life. And he has one message for you today. To look to Jesus. Look at what he has done. That while we were still sinners, Christ still died for you. That is God's amazing love demonstrated for us.
The third and, and final thing that we see in this passage is that God's love was supremely manifested because Christ died and has reconciled us to God. Christ has reconciled us to God. What does it mean to be reconciled? He says we've now received reconciliation. What does that mean? What we do see here at the heart of our reconciliation is the death of Christ. And so, so far in Romans, Paul has introduced these theological terms that we could say are are metaphors to help us understand our salvation. So he's used these big theology words like justification. And justification is a legal term. He's he's almost pointing us to the law courts to say show us that we've we've been declared righteous in God's sight because of the finished work of Christ. And then he uses the word redemption. So then he takes us to the marketplace. He uses an economic term, a, a term from out there in the, in the marketplace to show us that we've been redeemed by Christ. We've been redeemed. We've been purchased by the precious blood of Christ. And then he took us to a, a, a religious ceremonial term called propitiation. How about that for a big word today? Propitiation. And this means that Christ satisfied the wrath of God by his death on the cross. And so now he has another word. He's just illustrating it from every angle he can. He has this word reconciliation. And this is yet another metaphor to show our salvation in Christ. To be reconciled means to be restored to friendly relations. It's a type of forgiveness that leads to the restoration of of a friendship. And so this language of reconciliation, this the language of friendship that Paul is using here. And hopefully you see what that means now. Because we are no longer enemies of God in Christ. We are now friends with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But more than just friends, right? The Bible tells us we are more than just friends of God. It says if you're in Christ, you are now his child. We are children of God. And if we are children of God, that means something. And it means that God is your father. Do you know that's why some of the other relig- major religions in the world can't stand Christianity because we would say something in their minds, heretical, that God is our Father, but that is what He is. That is who He is. And as His Father, as our Father, His love is as secure as it gets. One of my children will tell me a lot of times at night when I'm tucking them in the bed, You're the second best daddy in the whole world. I said, I'll take that. Because God the Father is the best. Our love is secure because we are his children. And so the really amazing thing about all these truths, all these promises, all these wonderful things that we've been reading and talking about God's love It shows us, it gives us assurance, assurance of salvation. It's a thing that that Christians have been wrestling with for thousands of years. It's, it's 
It's a thing that maybe you're wrestling with right now. It's a thing I know I've wrestled with. How can we be assured? How can we know for sure that we are God's, that we are saved, that we're in Christ? Well, this is how you know. Because it's not anything you can do. It's not anything you've done. It's what Christ has done. We no longer have to guess if God loves us, because if we're in Christ, he does. He has done all the work. God is the one who's reconciled us to himself. And I think that's the big takeaway we need to have this morning from this passage. It's to look to Jesus. Look at what Christ has done. Look at what God has done in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at how God's love has been supremely magnified, has demonstrated, has proved to you, has shown you his love for you is amazing. Husbands, we can tell our, our wives a hundred times every day that we love them. But if we don't demonstrate it to them, it means nothing, right? <laughs> We can tell our friends over and over and over how much we love them, but if we don't actually demonstrate friendship and appreciation to them, it means nothing. God has demonstrated his love by sending his one and only son to die for us even while we were still sinners, even though we were weak, even though we were enemies, Christ died for us. Sometimes when we read and study our Bibles and we think about passages like this, we, we say, that's, that's really good, but give me something to do. <laughs> give me some concrete action step right now that I can take from here and do something. Well, here it is. Here's the only thing that I think we're supposed to do as a result of this gospel message is to look to Jesus, look to Christ, look at what he has done, and praise God from whom all blessings flow in the death of Christ, God's love shown to us. Let's pray. Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, we rejoice in you that through our Lord Jesus Christ we have now received reconciliation. We rejoice that while we were your enemies, we were reconciled by the death of your one and only Son. We rejoice that we have been justified by the blood of Christ and saved from the wrath of God. We rejoice that you have shown us your great love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Father, we do not deserve your amazing love, but we thank you for your love that has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit given to us. Help us, O oh Lord, to be changed from this good news and to rejoice. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.